BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised... Press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. What did we just watch? We just rang in the holiday season with <laughs> the awkwardly titled episode of the Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boy Show. Will the real Santa Claus? And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> 
It just randomly trails off. It's a will the real Santa Claus dot, dot, dot. It's not like a Slim Shady reference. It's just. There's also a question mark in there. Yeah. We don't know what they want the real Santa Claus to do, but no one ever said the show was good at communication. Sometimes we like to start by saying what the central mystery or story is. And so I'd like to point out the central story of this episode is Santa Claus has witnessed a drug deal. And the people involved in the drug deal want to kill him. Yes. Now let's get to it. <laughs> this actually first aired December 18th, 1977. It was the 12th episode of season two. 12 Days of Christmas. Will the real Santa Claus dot, dot, dot. And can we mention even in the opening credits, there is a bit of a surprise that you noticed. This uh, not only stars Pamela Sue Martin as Nancy Drew, but also... Rick Springfield, Noah Drake himself, coming over from Port Charles to uh, to uh, croon to Nancy about uh, Jesse's girl. Or should we say Nancy's boy? And of course, Rick Springfield is best known as a big-time collector of Star Wars toys and action figures. Oh, God. That's where most of us know him from. So it's interesting to remember that he used to be uh, just an actor before he became such a great collector. And this, of course, was some work he did in the year Star Wars actually came out. Wow, he didn't know what he was about to get into. <laughs> and he is also known for playing Noah Drake in General Hospital. And then also uh, he sang the hit single, Jesse's Girl. And in this episode, he'll find himself asking, where can he find a sleuth like that? <laughs> Should we talk about his portrayal of Ned now or wait till he pops up in the story? Let's wait till he pops up. Okay. How does this episode begin? Well, so of course we start with, you know, what what do you, what do you think of when you think of Christmas? You think of hot freight train action and hobos helping <laughs> hobos out. Uh, you see a man who looks like Santa Claus running from some ne'er-do-wells on the tracks. And he's being helped into a freight train car for, by a fellow traveler. And he's escaping. And he's like has a weird smile on his face. And it already feels like some weird fever dream that you almost forgot before waking up. Now, I know we don't want to be here all night, mm -hmm. and so maybe we shouldn't jump on everything that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I know, so I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, yeah. but should, should I mention that later in this episode, we see that this hobo who looks like Santa has some supernatural powers, mm -hmm. such as the ability to disappear. So why is he just merely running from these people? Why doesn't he just disappear? He could just disappear and then come up behind him and snap their necks. I don't know. That would be a great Christmas special, but I don't know. It's he's he's like a little frightened fawn or little frightened reindeer, should we say? And it doesn't make any sense. But neither does anything else in this episode. <laughs> yeah, we would be here all night. But we love to pick apart these Nancy Drew episodes because they're always just fucking crazy. They're like my catnip. I could watch them forever and try to decipher every strange choice. It amuses me. And you me. said somehow you'd miss this. This is the first time you watched this mess. Yeah, I've never watched this mess before. Will you ever watch it again? This holly jolly disaster. Obviously, it's fucking terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so we go into some stock footage of a New England Christmas, which is nice to see. Um, and then, of course, you have Nancy, uh, her friend George, who for some reason in this adaptation is blonde. She used to be played by a brunette wo woman earlier on, I think, in the first season. But then they replaced her made her blonde, 
and made her some sort of orphan because she spends this entire Christmas hanging out with the Drews. You have no idea what happened to her family, the Fanes. <laughs> so it's disturbing. And then um, they're all just trimming the tree. And then a certain someone bursts on in. Our good friend Rick Springfield playing Ned Nickerson. He, for some reason, just like knocks on the door and walks in uninvited. And he sees Nancy trimming the tree. And Nancy, for some reason, is being uncharacteristically klutzy. And she starts to fall. And Ned dashes across the room with alacrity and catches her in his arms and says, I've never had a girl fall that hard for me. Fellas, take notes. Yeah, if you tried to do that for me, you'd end up running headlong into the tree and knocking it on top of me. (laughs) And don't you try to deny it because we both know it's true. I'm not denying it. So Carson says, oh, by the way, this person who's just burst in and caught you is a fellow from the Boston DA's office here to work on is a case with Is he an attorney or an ev- investigator? It doesn't even make it clear. Also, I don't think DA's offices like loan people out like this. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, you guys have a problem? Here you go. And also, he says, this is Ned Nickerson. Of course, they've already known a Ned Nickerson. Kevin, I think you're mistaken. That man's name was Nerd Nickerson. <laughs> talk talk a bit now about that Ned and this Ned. Nerd Nickerson. Well, Nerd Nickerson was a a very a guy with the sort of like blonde Beatles cut with glasses who was uh, played Ned in the I think the first season, and he was like uh, Nancy's father Carson's like junior attorney trainee guy. I don't know whether he was supposed to be a law student who was like working with him or an actual just younger lawyer. And he was very, uh, very, I mean, as the name suggests, nerdy. He was uh, kind of a dork and he was always very nervous about everything. You could also call him nervous Nickerson because he was, um, Nancy would be doing stuff and he'd be like, oh, I'm going to have to tell your dad. Oh, geez. And like, oh, gee, Nancy, don't go into this haunted lighthouse. And just very like, like you're kind of like, okay, so Ned in the books is Nancy's boyfriend. You know, she's he's her best fella, her best date. And when in in this 1970s adaptation, he starts out as this kind of like kind of doofus. And you're kind of like, why would they ever end up together? Not to be mean, but like, it's not like he's he's not like charmingly nerdy. I'm a sucker for that. That's why I'm with Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> but it, he's he's just kind of like uh, a wet blanket. He doesn't really seem to encourage her or support her curiosity. He just is kind of there to try to keep her in line and fail utterly at doing that. So it's funny that they just memory hold that guy. I mean, like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. But then it it just, this show just thinks its audience just has like the, I mean, I guess this is pre-internet, so maybe shows just felt like they could do whatever the fuck you, they wanted. Like, you, you thought you knew Ned Nickerson? We killed that guy. Here's Rick Springfield. This is the real Ned Nickerson. Like, like they, they just did whatever they wanted. They switched out George. They switched out Ned. I mean, they just don't give a shit. They switched out Nancy eventually. And this strange. isn't just, just a, a different actor playing the role. This is a completely different version this of Ned. Guy, this guy fucks. <laughs> <laughs> This guy is, This guy knows his shit. Yeah, this guy doesn't take shit and like is a tough guy and you're like, what the fuck? 
the other guy was like <laughs> crying constantly, just unable to deal with the world. And this guy doesn't give a fuck. This guy seems more like a person Nancy could end up with because yes. he's smart, he's resourceful. Uh, one thing that's kind of problematic for me is how old is Nancy Drew? It's not clear. It's not clear in the this series. Ballpark it for me. I would say early to like early mid twenties. So she's been to college. That's unclear. Because we never hear anything about college. I, I wondered, is she a high school student? So we've talked about this, but like Pamela Sue Martin was like 25, I think, when this was out. Or like thereabouts. Mm. I don't have the exact age in front of me. But I think th there's, I don't know. I don't know. It, 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 that's the perpetual question. Because Nancy in the in the 1950s book, or, or I'm sorry, rather, in the original series, she's 16. Then they aged her up to 18 when they revised the series you know, a few decades into it. And, you know, that allows her to exist in a sweet spot because she can kind of have just graduated high school, but like doesn't have to necessarily be in college, you know, like they can kind of be like, oh, it, it doesn't matter if she goes to college at that point. But at this point, it feels more like she's in her 20s, doesn't it? I think she seems like 18. Okay. And if she's 18, we have a bit of a problem because Carson obviously wants this Ned and his Nancy to get together because he keeps on telling this Ned, oh, Nancy really likes you. you know. And if she's 18, okay, he went, graduated from college. Let's say he graduated from college, 22. Okay. Then goes to law school. He's 25. So he's like maybe 26, 27, and he's dating or is being pushed towards dating a high school girl. So you are saying, Kevin Greenlee, that you have a problem with attorneys dating younger women? I have problems with <laughs> attorneys dating younger women who are in high school. <laughs> if a younger woman is an adult. Kevin and I have a, a, a pretty significant age gap, which is why I'm laughing about this. But we did not meet when I was in high school. <laughs> yeah, if, if I started dating you when you were in high school. That would That'd be, be creepy. That'd be very creepy. I agree. And if I started dating you in high school with your dad coming up to me and kind of elbowing me in the ribs and say, hey, you know, my daughter's pretty hot stuff. I think she likes you. I think she wants to get with you, if you know what I mean. Wouldn't that make most guys just run the fuck out of there? Yeah, it's Like very you're being disturbing. entrapped into some sort of like, yeah, that's, geez. Anyways, I, I mean, I think she acts more like a woman in her 20s in this, to be honest. But I don't know. You wonder if she just never wanted to go to college or something. Maybe she works as her dad's assistant or something. That's what it seems like. <laughs> We're just spinning our wheels. Our wheels are caught in the snow. <laughs> so I, I guess we what we're about to say will horrify you. Will chill you to the bone on a cold winter's night. Let's get back to it. So in this episode, I just want to point out that Nancy is wearing a shirt that has plastic see-through sleeves. That's the kind of vibe we're going for here, folks. Which usually, one thing you rave about this particular actress playing Nancy Drew is you always say, Kevin, I love her fashion sense. Not that one. I like a 70s fashion sense. I don't know. Maybe that's weird. But I like it. It's weird. It's not that weird. It's pretty fucking weird. You're fucking You dress like Hobo Santa, so you have no right to say anything. And I'm going to say that 
yeah, but the plastic sleeves don't do it for me. Um, one thing I would like to point out, though, is that uh, you you ask if River Heights is in Massachusetts. I believe it is supposed to be in Massachusetts in this adaptation. In general, I think it's usually thought to be in the Midwest in, in, in like in like terms of how people think about this. But in this um, in this series, I believe they said it in Massachusetts. When I was a when I was a lass, I always imagined that uh, Nancy Drew lived in New York because I lived in the suburbs of New York City. So I think it's like everybody can picture where she's supposed to be. You know, I think most people agree that it's probably the Midwest because she's pretty near Chicago, seemingly. Is she? You you literally have told me that. <laughs> So anyway, for some reason, this Boston DA's attorney slash investigator, who knows what, what do you think he is? Is he an attorney or an investigator? I, I don't know. I think, it, let's see, he's an attorney. I don't even, like you say, why Why would they have? Is it like a library where you can check out a Boston DA's office attorney to like come help you with your local bullshit? And then Don't they have enough shit going on in Boston? Isn't this the city of the departed? And then also, does this mean that, you know, the Boston DA isn't going to send someone down to help a private citizen, I don't think? Or you have like a problem with a parking ticket? Well, the Boston DA will send someone down to help you out. No, they're only going to help out, I would think, local prosecutors. You know, if I'm trying a case in small town Massachusetts, it's beyond my capabilities but somehow touches upon some mob action in Boston. I could imagine them sending someone down to help. Right, and I don't think Carson's a prosecutor because he's defending Santa in this, spoiler alert. Yeah, so it doesn't make any sense. So let's talk about- And should we mention they never say why he's, I think they say always no. the Buchanan case. Ah, yes, James Buchanan, one of the worst presidents of all time. We need to figure that out. Why don't you get on it, Nickerson? <laughs> get down there and figure it out. Even though this has no bearing on anything. <laughs> Why was he so uh, forceful in the in the war against the Mormons and so soft on the South? Was it because he was in love with his uh, close companion? Wasn't that Rufus King? Yeah. Um. Now, now we have some kind of creepy shit. There's a creepiness to this episode, in my view. I'll say the, the creepiness to the episode is very effective, but it's like the B story. Yeah. Very much a B story. But it's like scary, but it, it should have been the A story. Um, we see a Santa Claus breaking into a house through the basement window. Cl classic Nancy Drew setup from the books, though, because this is a classic burglar trick. I don't, I've never heard of anybody actually doing it in real life. Maybe, maybe people do. But in Nancy Drew, you feel like every other book, and I, I'm only really thinking of Velvet Mask, but like pe fancy rich people will have a party and then somebody will be like, wow, a ton of witnesses, the whole house is full, everyone's wandering around, everyone's wandering around into back rooms to make out or throw up or th find their jacket. That's the time to break in. I'm going to break in right now. I'm going to go up the lattice or whatever, and I'm going to scurry around and get the silver and get the fuck out. And so that was kind of a fun callback for me. <laughs> I do, again, I don't know if that's really how burglary works, but maybe, maybe, it, maybe that is a technique. I don't know. I'm not a criminal. This party is hosted by an, a gentleman who seems, at least to my opinion, to be a bit drunk, a bit <laughs> intoxicated. He calls up Carson and says, you know, I'm having, and he's wearing a party hat. 
Naturally, that's what you wear when you're drunk to signify it. Yeah, like a, a kid's birthday party hat. He's I mean, wearing. You're this. wearing one right now, so I don't get the judgmental tone. <laughs> he calls Carson and says, "This party I'm throwing really, really, really needs your hot daughter to come by and liven it up." And Carson says, "Oh yeah, sure, we'll be right over." Now, <laughs> you're right. My daughter is a nice piece of ass. And people would really get a kick out of seeing her in this outfit. What's wrong with Carson? Why hot, does he think that's okay? Hot sleeveless, hot see-through sleeve action. That's what the men want. <laughs> Why does he think this is okay? I don't know. It's 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 unnecessarily creepy. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Um, and, uh, and then we see, we go back. It's really a tale of two Santas. It was the best of Christmas and the worst of Christmas because we also, we saw this creepy burglar Santa and we go back to Drifter Santa who we met at the beginning in the freight train action. And he's wandering through the town, kind of laughing and seeing the burglar Santa climb out a window. Ho, 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 what's that all about? I'm sure that's fine. And, um, you know, then he stumbles into somebody's barn, lies down groaning like an injured animal and falls asleep, <laughs> as one does. We've all had those nights, folks. <laughs> you, you call that Tuesday. Yeah, that was some rough nights. <laughs> And then some kid detectives bust him. And I don't mean Nancy. I mean like a, like the most 70s looking kids like with the girl with the big hair and curls and the boy with like the Beatles bowl cut. And the boy is wearing like a child trench coat. And they start beating him with a phone book. <laughs> they go too hard and then they have to cover up his death under, under harsh questioning. They feed his corpse to the pigs. Got to get rid of him somehow. No, they just, they, they start lecturing him about how he can't. But the boy really does wear a trench coat. Yeah, no, that is true. Yes, that is very much true. And the girl is chain smoking. <laughs> and the girl is played, of course, by Missy Gold, who we remember best is her role in the, she played the governor's daughter on Benson. One of these days you're just going to start making up shows and I'm going to be like, yeah. <laughs> you remember Benson? Oh, <laughs> God. She played Mrs. Wugglesworth on Loomer. I mean, like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, let's not talk about Benson. <laughs> <laughs> let's couch Benson. And then they, they're basically like, you can't le like live here. Like, this is private property. And they're lecturing this guy. And he's like, uh, I can do whatever the fuck I want. I'm Santa. And then he gives them a, 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 a wink with the sparkle in his eyes. And they're all like, yay. Santa and they skip out all happy 
You wouldn't have fallen for that as a kid, would you? That was pretty sharp. How about you? You wouldn't even have fallen for it if someone came dressed to say Winnie the Pooh. You'd be asking the tough questions as to whether or not he was the real Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, I was a skeptical child. I don't think I... I think at a young age, young, young age, I would not have bought it. I think... I, th- I think there was probably a way to convince me not to tell anyone, but probably more of like out of fear than like, <laughs> or guilt <laughs> than like whimsy, in my opinion. And uh, speaking of whimsy, uh-huh. the burglar, after he burgles a place, he leaves a nice little Christmas note. Yeah, basically, ha ha, I got your shit. Thanks for the Christmas presents. And it's like, why would you do that? It doesn't make a goddamn lick of sense, Kevin. No. You're leaving behind something potentially that has fingerprints. The very least has a sample of your handwriting. You're leaving behind clues as to your real identity. Just for a bit. This guy's committed to his (laughs) bit. (laughs) It's a pretty good bit. He actually goes up on the roof and spreads reindeer shit all over the place, too. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, okay. So, meanwhile... uh, when Ned, Nancy, and Carson respond to this this crime, uh, Ned actually snaps at Nancy for what I feel it was a pretty egregious forensic mistake because, of course, Nancy and the local sheriff get in there and start pawing all over the goddamn Christmas note. And he's like, you probably just destroyed any fingerprint evidence we could have gotten from this. And they're all like, duh. Like... <laughs> They kind of snap at each other yeah. back and forth about crime-solving techniques, and it's like some sort of uh, Tracy and Hepburn vibe I think they were trying to go for. Yeah, not succeeding at all. No, not in the slightest. But, like, there is a little bit of chemistry. I like that they were trying. And I think there was a bit of chemistry between the actors a little bit. There was something there. A little bit. It was a, it was a faintly burning ember in the Yuletide fireplace, but it was certainly more than we're used to for this show. Now, I mean, you've seen it. You you saw this portrayal. I think they were going for something more like they had with her and Parker Stevenson, who, of course, plays Frank Hardy, which is the other half of the show about the Hardy boys. And I never liked their vibe, to be honest. A lot of people loved it. I, I was all like, nah. Like, he always seemed to be genuinely, they always seemed to be genuinely like they did not, like coworkers who you hate. And And this seemed more like it could be romantic. These these two were a couple you could imagine getting together in a way you could never imagine Nancy getting with Frankie Thomas or Nerd Nickerson. I'm talking about Frank Hardy, played by Parker Stevenson. I didn't really that didn't feel like they had any chemistry. It felt very uh, forced. Forced. Yeah, you'd be like, I can't believe you broke into my room, and she'd be all like, Well, I have to because I da, da, da. It's like Ugh, I don't know. It, it, I didn't like it. They tried to make it too feisty, and it didn't feel like a feisty kind of relationship. No, and it, and it was like crossing the streams of one universe with another universe. They're never going to get together. It would fuck things up. I can imagine these two getting together. Yeah, I can imagine them getting together. Um, what What were your thoughts on this Ned, this take on Ned? Uh, I... I th- I, I think that the nerd Nickerson character with the implicit s- suggestion that Nancy could find him interesting or the implicit suggestion that he could be a good match for Nancy, I think that was somehow insulting to Nancy. 
But th- this character seemed to be stronger and more of a match for Nancy. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Nancy would really be compromising if she ended up with Nerd Nickerson. Yeah, like he didn't, it wasn't like he had a gentleness to him or like a, a thoughtfulness, like, or or he was nerdy but fun or nerdy but really smart and brought something to the table. He just, he was just like, he was just a wet blanket, you know? It wasn't like he was nerdy but made her feel loved yeah. and safe. He brought nothing to the table. Yeah, I don't want to just sound like I'm shitting on nerdy guys because, again, I'm, I'm with you, Kevin. <laughs> I love nerds. And and I'm I'm pretty nerdy myself, but I just think that it, it's more to say that he didn't really have a good personality and kind of uh, just brought everyone down. Not out of a sense of like, oh, he's just really like he didn't really. He just sort of he just her whole point to be there was to be basically an obstacle to Nancy, and not in a fun, sexy way, but just to be like another nuisance where she has to be like, Ned, calm down. I'm gonna go explore the haunted house and. I'm going to do it, whatever. And he'd be like, oh, gee, your dad's going to kill me. And like, that would be it. You know, not yeah. that hot. <laughs> not that hot. No. You know what else isn't that hot? So burglar Santa is breaking into another house. And in this case, he cuts himself breaking through the door and is bleeding all over the fucking place <laughs> like a stuck pig. So have fun with that image. Um, and Nancy- but th- this scene mm. that follows that Anya is about to describe mm. the most effective sequence in the episode. Yeah, like really scary. It bordered on competent, and uh, and and much more chilling than you're used to for this uh, this show. So Nancy goes into the the house because she knows that the family, the Garlands, apparently this is Judy's home. Uh, that she knows that they're away, so she goes inside, sees sort of the mess, sees the blood. Lifts a fingerprint from the blood with some tape. Yuck. And then <laughs> I'd be like, ugh. <laughs> and uh, then calls the police. But then in a pretty effective scene, she sort of turns around and sees a horrifying Santa Claus standing behind her wearing a mask that looks like it was from that early 2000s horror movie, The Strangers, which I never watched, but I did read the Wikipedia page for. It looks terrifying. It's a ter- and and then he just starts chasing at her. He starts swinging his bag of goods at her. I mean, it's like you're like this guy. If he catches her, he's going to slit her throat. There's no like, there's no like. Oh, I think he'll just you know lock her in a closet. Like this guy's going to murder her. It's terrifying. It's a very effective sequence. My question to you: Why is he chasing her? Why doesn't he just get out of there? Because he knows she's just called the police. The police are on their way. So why would he then potentially try to commit a more serious crime of murder? Well, well, why is he taking all these risks like dressing up like Santa and wearing a big red suit doing this? It's not like he's doing it at Christmas parties where people let him in and they think, oh, it's the Santa we hired and then it's not. There's no reason. Maybe he's just a psycho. Well, we have a lot of questions about this character and his motivations. I'm sure they will all be cleared up before the end of the episode. No, they won't be. <laughs> but it is pretty spooky. Anyway, naturally the guy gets away, though. Nancy gets away, too. She does yeah. not get killed. Some guy named Captain Rogers. Apparently Captain America is in this. <laughs> Busts in and is interrogating. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He comes in to help Nancy. But meanwhile, Nancy runs into yet another Santa that evening. 
she goes for some reason i forget why to the uh house with those like little kids the detective kids and they're all like packing all this food and she's like what's that why do you have all this cheese and cookies like ew and bread disgusting combinations yeah it's like the kids are sneaking down in the middle of the night to eat bread okay. who hasn't done that i literally i literally used to fucking do that you'd go downstairs and just eat bread right out of the bag when i was had a drinking problem yes <laughs> What was the appeal? I literally get drunk, go downstairs, eat a bunch of cheese, eat a bunch of bread. Because, like, I don't know, you get, like, the drunk munchies or something. So you felt seen. You identified with these kids. I was like, kids, you guys need guys need to get help. <laughs> you guys need to go to AA or something. Get a sponsor. Get a sponsor, kids. <laughs> and, um, and then and the, the kids do start saying some pretty crazy things. Oh, well, they tell Nancy that a uh, drunk drifter is grooming them from the backyard barn that their parents have. <laughs> no, they say that they say that some guy. They say that Santa's in their barn, and Nancy's like, "Okay." And the, fa- and the expression on Nancy's face was pretty funny in this. <laughs> How would you describe it? It was like it was like you could have had the curb your enthusiasm theme playing over. <laughs> This is like a, get like it like start like pans in closer and closer to her expression. I feel, <laughs> and uh, they go back to the barn. The kids uh, deposit their troth of food and leave, and Nancy starts in on this guy. So it's wrong to tell the kids you're Santa Claus. Uh, he says, "But by the way, I didn't rob anyone," and he is outraged. He is outraged. It is defamatory that someone is committing crimes dressed as Santa Claus. It's against Santa culture or Chris Kringle culture. And so Nancy, who's this sharp, bright young woman, actually believes this guy. Yeah, maybe he is Santa. Who knows? And she doesn't think he's, the, at the very least, she doesn't think he's the guy who chased her. What do you think about this intelligent woman who you have long admired? You held up as a role model. Oh, calm down. <laughs> believing in Santa Claus. Okay. To me, it would have been okay if the character had been like, oh, you know, you don't seem like the same guy who chased me, so I believe you. That that seems reasonable. She was the one who was chased after all. She kind of got a look at the guy's vibe and body type, even though he was wearing a mask. And if this guy's just not putting out the same vibe, I think you can kind of try to trust that, even if you can't be entirely sure. Um, her, and, like, in, and in fairness, the Santa who chased her was like morbidly obese. This guy's like normal weight. I think like... I think it would have been okay to have her believe in Santa if she was a bit younger. But to me, she reads as like 20s in this. And so the fact that she keeps on being like, maybe it's Santa. <laughs> and like looking up, like, I don't know. It just It's a little bit silly. It's it's pretty silly. It's pretty bad. <laughs> you know, I'm not like, you know, for like, I... I, get, I think they just didn't want to, like, it's a kid's show, ultimately, and I don't think they wanted to have Nancy Drew be like, Santa, what do you think, I'm an idiot? Like, <laughs> smoke a, her cigarette and throw it on the ground. You know, I, I think I think they just wanted to keep that, keep that going. So I, I'm not, like, super mad about it because there's so much to be mad about in this episode. <laughs> uh, but it does seem to kind of, like, you know, I think Pamela Sue Martin did a good job with Nancy because she brought sort of a sharpness to the character while also maintaining sort of a you know a a person who you could see as like caring about other people she's not like a dick and she's not like pushy or mean or anything but she's she's tough she kind of fends for herself and she thinks critically about things you feel she brought that kind of i don't know like mood to the role 
And so the writer's making her constantly say things like, maybe it was Santa. You know, it definitely is a little bit silly and demeaning. It's unfortunate. And so is what happens next because the fuzz busts in and hauls off old Chris Kringle, hauls his ass off to jail, just like the Burgermeister Meister Burger from Santa Claus is coming to town. <laughs> and then we have kind of a bizarre scene. We see Carson <laughs> sprawled out awkwardly in his bed, sound asleep. <laughs> This scene felt like it went on for five years. <laughs> and he gets a mysterious phone call, which folks, wakes him up. And folks, he's totally nude. <laughs> <laughs> Buck ass naked. <laughs> he sleeps in the buff, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not what you wanted to hear, but that's no. what it was. Sorry. <laughs> I broke Kevin. You go. So, uh, the resplendent Mr. Drew <laughs> picks up the phone and it's, uh, I actually don't even know who's calling him. But then Nancy brought, and also he's fully clothed. I'm just kidding about that. But it is like a weirdly intimate scene where we're seeing him wake up. I didn't like it. I didn't care for it. Felt like that's how I wake up, where I'm just like lying there, like Ugh, in the morning, and then Nancy comes in <laughs> and is basically like, "Dad, we need to represent this uh, drifter Santa. He just got his ass hauled to jail, and it's not very American. It's un-American for Santa to spend the night in jail at 3 a.m. Can you imagine if my daughter came in and said that to me at 3 a.m.? I'd ground her ass for five years. <laughs> Mom, you got to come over to the jail and help this this crazy drifter." I would help them file an emancipation suit. <laughs> so then Carson gets up, puts on his street clothes. Puts on some underwear. <laughs> he, he and Nancy go to the jail and have a conversation there with the hobo. And during this conversation, there's lots of little bits of dialogue which suggests that maybe this hobo is a little bit more than he seems. <laughs> they say, oh, he'll say, oh, you know, I live up north. I only work once a year. And every time he says something like that, little magical music plays. Yeah, pretty close to that. <laughs> like it's supposed to make you think, Hmm, do you suppose? Could that old man have been? No, I don't think so. But maybe. <laughs> That's what you and I were saying the whole time. That's right. <laughs> so Carson gets him bailed out, and then they're talking with him in the police station. They look out the window and see the bad guys who want to kill Santa waiting for him. And at that point, what happens? He's gone. <laughs> he disappears mysteriously. I think those I think those old men I think those I'm sorry. I think those bad guys who want to kill Santa are employees of the Coca-Cola company. <laughs> they don't want him suing over them stealing his image. <laughs> they want to silence him. They're, or maybe they're the polar bear contingent who want to be the mascots of Co Coca-Cola. They're in a big lucrative battle with Santa. 
You've got some crazy theories. Yeah, I'm all over the place. I've got a, I've got a whole cork board full of ideas. I'm pu- pulling string and pins all over the place. Just just a total mess. Then the press gets wind of this. Oh, You, ne- you never want the press to get wind of anything. Because apparently the hobo Santa told the press that he was Santa. I just want to be on a fly on the wall of that reporter taking that call, but also the reporter telling his editor what he wanted to write. And then also the editor saying, let's put that on the fucking front page. I've done so much cocaine. Let's let's set it live. And when did this conversation with the reporter even occur? Because he was arrested in the middle of the night and is released in the middle of the night. And then this story is the front page story in the next morning's paper. News never sleeps, baby. News never sleeps. <laughs> It, yeah, it's like this was pre-Twitter also. Like back, I mean, like I feel like if this happened today, people would be like, whoa, like all night. And then like, you know, California would log, you know, the night Twitter in England would be weighing in like, the, you know. This because is- everybody all over the world needs to know they're fascinated by who Carson Drew represents. I mean, this River Heights seems like a pretty podunk little Massachusetts town. So I could see, I could see this being like a second page story. Front page had to be a pretty fucking slow news day. But meanwhile, some horrifying Santa guy is breaking into people's houses and threatening young women. You'd think that would be the lead yeah, story. Yeah, why, why isn't that the front page People story? People are about to get murdered, folks. And then it's going to be like, oh, sorry, we were just dicking around with this stupid Carson <laughs> Drew thing instead of warning the public about a well, violent predator. Well, actually, in fairness, Miss Kane, the paper, this Santa, Hobo Santa, is oh, being charged right. With being fair. Predator Santa. That is fair. So they think they're covering the same story. Yeah. Does that make you change your tune? Okay. Then Does this now, is this now a front page story? This is now a front page fucking story. Because here's your hook. Carson Drew is defending an obviously mentally disturbed man <laughs> who is accused of preying on Carson's own daughter. Yeah, what the fuck is wrong with this man? Yeah. That's your front page story. That's the front page story. Next, we go to the Drew household where Ned has uncovered some interesting tidbits. And that is just that he knows a second story man, a.k.a. a burglar that specializes in climbing up a story, uh, who went by the name of Griffey. (laughs) We don't even mention that Santa Claus is going around telling people his name is Griffin. Right. So Sounds like that mm. could be... It's kind of a similar name to Griffey. Mm. This seems like pretty conclusive evidence. Yeah, this DA's man's mind made up, but Nancy is mad at him for that because she thinks you should go based on hunches, not just, not just facts. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have a hunch. So then they have some nonsensical banter. <sighs> it's so tedious. And meanwhile, Nancy's trying to start a new spinoff for uh, CSI River Heights because she's looking at different stuff under a microscope, including the bloody fingerprint of the suspect and also Which sl- she should have cloth. Tur- she should have turned both those items over to the proper authorities. Yes. But she basically is the law in River Heights, let's be honest. And that's always been the case. We always joked. I mean, the, in the books, the, the police chief is named Chief Colleague. He's her colleague. He's her peer. He's not her superior. She's she's the law in town. Let's be real. And uh, also, uh, she and George are wearing turtlenecks, and and I I did dig that. I, I you know I wanted to 
call out something I like because I like turtlenecks. I think they're a cool look for people, men and women. And these were cool turtlenecks to me. I wanted to shout that out because I criticized the uh, bizarre transparent sleeves earlier. But they kind of brought it back. They brought it back with this. So good for them. I gotta say, of the two looks, I prefer the transparent sleeves. Oh, come on. Kind of a space age look. Really? Do you not like turtlenecks? If I have to choose between a turtleneck or a plastic transparent sleeve, I'm going for the transparent sleeve. This is why I can't let you ever dress yourself. <laughs> That's why you forced me to be naked in the apartment all the time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> You're always going out trying to show off your guns and your transparent sleeves, and I'm just left red-faced and embarrassed. You're just worried that if, if the ladies saw my guns... <laughs> They'd snatch me off the market. You need to put a ring on my finger. I think they'd pr probably just ask you where your permit was. <laughs> <laughs> so, then we see the real villain. A.K.A. the Coca-Cola Polar Bears. <laughs> No, it's actually Burgermeister Meister Burger. He's back, folks, and he's out for revenge. <laughs> this is uh, a person who says, you know, Santa Claus saw this drug deal. We, You gotta kill him. This man has this weird classical bust on his table for no reason. It looks like it's made out of paper mache, and it also kind of looks like that... You know when that woman like repainted the Jesus painting in a church and then it made it look all weird? Yeah. It looks like that. <laughs> As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Now, if Santa really saw a drug deal, why didn't he go to the police with alacrity? Maybe Santa says he does, maybe Santa doesn't like the police. Oh, that's what happened. That an elf Santa doesn't trust the Central Park police. So you think Santa wants to defund the police? Oh my God! Is that what you're telling me for Christmas? <laughs> maybe I don't know, but this one certainly seems to not not really trust authorities. Do you think he just uh, is against drug laws? Yeah. You think he, Santa favors legalization? He just says, you should do whatever the fuck you want. Kind of a hippie Santa. He's doing LSD. That's why he's so tripped out on this one. That's why he keeps hearing this in his head. <laughs> Meanwhile, at a local store. Now we got to get, I'm a retail reporter by day. Well, then I'll let you cover Yeah, this. I got to get the hot retail angle in here. So the, the local, uh, I guess department store owner uh, really wants to drum up business and he's having all these big loud conversations about how they need to get more people in and they need people to come to their holiday Christmas party. And then um, he, you know, these kids are rioting in the store because they want to see Santa and something's going wrong. Um, but you don't worry, old Griff will fix them good because the drifter Santa shows up and the little kids from earlier, the kid detectives, come running up to him and say, you know, Come on, kids, this is the real Santa. And everyone comes running over to this dirty-looking man for some reason. <laughs> and um, 
the retail, the, the store owner or store manager, what proprietor, if you will, is all like, ah, yes, the kids love the dirty Santa. We're going to bring him in for a big event. Let's be clear. This hobo Santa, who he, he wants to invite to a party with children, <laughs> is someone who is charged with breaking into homes and he terrorized, he's, he's charged with terrorizing a young lady who was defenseless. And again, he, he this this man wants to invite him to a party with children. Are you saying that a retailer might put profits over people? I, I think that's completely unrealistic. <laughs> I also want to know the person who plays this retailer is the actor William Campbell, who was the first husband of Judith Campbell Exner. And that is? Judith Campbell Exner was uh, best known for uh, being simultaneously the lover of JFK and the lover of mob figure Sam Giancana. So she was a conduit between JFK and the mob. Oh. Huh. Well, there's going to be some Lee Harvey Oswald shit she later all ties on. In. <laughs> so that kind of makes sense. Yeah, so it's kind of wild to see him. <laughs> and you're probably thinking, how is there Lee Harvey Oswald shit in a Nancy Drew Christmas special? But you know, we're going to you're going to find out. And uh, then some uh some Nancy figures out something about where the real burglar Santa hid his ill-gotten gains, his Christmas presents, if you will, and goes uh, figures out that it's the barn that the other Santa was hiding in. She so she goes there and then she is accosted by a big fat man with a mustache, and he tells her a stable can be a dangerous place. A horse could kick you right in the head. And then he starts walking towards her very slowly. He just, it's not, intim- it's such a weirdly like structured scene. It's funny because in the, he'd been so intimidating when he was wearing the mask and when he was alone with her in that house. And it was like a, a really kind of creepy scene. And then in this, they're just not able to recapture that tension at all. No, just awkward. It's just really awkward. And then, uh, but don't, no worries. The cavalry is coming. The Christmas cavalry. And we're saying that because there's uh, horses in the barn. Winnie, as Ned tackles this, yeah, false Santa to the ground. Ned comes in, swiftly captures this false Santa. And captures Nancy's heart in the process. Because, yeah, Nancy gives him a kiss. And uh, probably the most hot kiss ever seen on this program. Kevin was getting all wild about it. <laughs> Kevin went out and wrote some Nancy Drew Ned Rick Springfield fan fiction. To sate his uh, desires. <laughs> and then this marks the end of... The episode. Well, we wish. This marks the end of the Santa Claus robbery story. So we never find out who the Santa Claus robber is. We never find out what his motivations were, why he did this, why he chose to dress as Santa Claus and leave Christmas notes, how he chose these houses, what he did with his booty. I mean, why would you want to know about the most interesting part of the episode, is my question. Oh. That's not how good writing works. <laughs> this The episode chugs on. Like a like a sleigh drifting down a small hill without any reindeer <laughs> to push it. The retailer has hired 
hobo Santa who's now been vindicated to be is Santa Claus and holds a press conference. And the and the lead headline is the rights of hobo Santa vindicated. <laughs> and then we cut to the Drew house where uh, Carson is talking about, oh, Nancy, what do you want for Christmas? And she goes into this. She Okay, let's, let's say, p- paint the picture. Nancy's eyes get this kind of cloudy, childish sparkle in them. And she starts going on and on about how when they went to Amsterdam as a little girl, she really wanted this little China Dresden doll. And her dad's just like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) And meanwhile, Griffin just suddenly appears out of nowhere. Now, Anya, how would you feel if on Christmas Eve, when you're finished wrapping up all your mini gifts for Kevin, say, oh, Kevin, what would you like most for Christmas? And I say, well, you know, Anya, what I'd like most for Christmas would really mean the most to me would be this item I've never mentioned to you before. <laughs> and I'll be so disappointed if I don't get it tomorrow. <laughs> Your eyes would get all misty. When I was a little boy, <laughs> there was a Superman can opener that I saw in the store. <laughs> and nothing ever delighted me so much in my, all my years. <laughs> like a little tear running down your cheek. I think I just I think I just back off, go get like a hot chocolate and come back and pretend like I hadn't heard you. <laughs> but it was we say Griffin suddenly appears. Old hobo Griff. Santa. Old hobo Santa. And we see he's kind of making a note of what uh, Nancy is saying and that mm. and that awful music plays again and uh there's an awkward dialogue exchange between them. Oh, <laughs> He says, oh, I'm an old guy or something. I don't know why. And Nancy says, you're the most youthful man I've ever met. The sex with you has been fantastic. <laughs> just seemed like an oddly weirdly sexual. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm probably just being a total perv, but it just seemed like kind of a weirdly sexual thing to say. You're so alive. <laughs> what, what, am I just being a creep? No. It was a, it was a weird line. It was, it was a weird line, kind of awkward. <laughs> Everyone else look cast their eyes downward. <laughs> now we, we're moving into the Lee Harvey Oswald territory because we see a man starting to unpack a shotgun. Instead of the grassy knoll, it's going to be the snowy knoll. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it turns out they're not, it's not really a Christmas party. They're going to do like a Christmas parade. And don't worry, it's horrifying. <laughs> It's a parade of fucking Christmas holiday horrors, folks, because you have all these grown ass people in full body reindeer suits, angels, nativity folks. It's a strange cavalcade. And, you know, I wouldn't want to see this coming at me at night. (laughs) (laughs) And meanwhile, the guy with the rifle is setting up on top of a building. They're going to Lee Harvey Oswald Santa Claus. Rifles on the rooftop, click, click, click. <laughs> Gonna mow down old Saint Nick. <laughs> Jesus. And but I, Santa. You know what I thought when the fire when the fire folks came out, your dad is a fireman. I was just thinking, I'm just gonna see like young Kevin in the audience looking all eager. Or young Kevin on top of the fire truck. <laughs> I used to be in many of a parade I used to be in many a parade riding a fire truck. If you were in a parade <laughs> As a kid, and Santa got shot in front of you. 
do you think you'd be significantly more weird than you are now or just about the same? <laughs> well, I'm not weird in the slightest, Miss K. It, did something happen to Santa in one of those parades and you just never told me? <laughs> Trauma's buried too deep. How would you feel if, if as a child you saw Santa shot in the head in front of you? Well, this is a weird thing to bring up on this podcast, but when I was pretty little and I was like six, I, this isn't going the way you think it's going. I, I had a dream and in the dream, my mom told me that Santa had died and I was really sad. And that's it. That's the dream. <laughs> so I, I, I think I, I don't know. I think if I it happened to me after that, I'd probably be like, oh, my God, I, I had a premonition. Psychic guy. Yeah. Become one of those TV psychics exploiting heartbroken families. <laughs> Santa's family is not going to be heartbroken because Santa apparently has some sort of X-ray vision because he looks up towards the building and he somehow can see and hear the snipers. But meanwhile, there's lots of lots of different lots of different things going on in the parade just to kind of jumble things up, you know. It and it and it and it's like I just I just let I'm I'm not trying to I, why how did these people know where the parade was gonna be? I feel like if this had actually happened, you could have had like a JFK assassination X like level of conspiracy theorizing here. Because it'd be like, did the did the local River Heights Tribune publish the parade route? Why did they do that? Was there a bunch of anti-Santa sentiment in River Heights before this happened? I mean, I guess there kind of was because they arrested the poor bastard. I mean, there's all this. Did the CIA want to get him? Did the Boston DA's office have anything oh, to do with it? Oh, that's a good it? question. Did the FBI know about what was going to happen? And and the Boston FBI was notoriously corrupt with the Whitey Bulger thing. Was Whitey Bulger in on this? Did he put a hit on Santa? Your eyes are getting all bulged out. I have so many questions. It started out as a joke, but you get more and more into it. Did the Cubans want to assassinate Saint Nick? What about the fucking mafia? I guess they're the ones behind it. Yeah, what what was the New Orleans Orleans connection here? Marcello. Jesus Christ. Who was the eggnog lady? Who was the mistletoe man? Why was he never why did he never come forward? Where's the Where's our Santa Warren report? <laughs> a winter Warren land could be had here. <laughs> and then uh, Vince Bugliosi could write a big book on it, clearing the whole thing up. <laughs> Being like, yeah, it was just two local assholes. <sighs> Santa sees them with his x-ray vision. He disappears. Now, meanwhile, the two snipers say, well, we can't see Santa. But you know there's a chance that Santa might have told the Druze what he saw. So why don't we just kill them first? Naturally. And now why, if your main target is Santa, why would you take shots at other people first? Because as soon as you start firing your weapon, you're going to start attracting huge amounts of attention. Well, I mean, the, the thing about it is River Heights people have a notoriously stiff upper lip. So they probably would have just kept going with the parade. <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to let that ruin things for the kids. Would they would they feel like if, if the Druze have been killed in front of them in a holiday parade, would they be like, we're freed from our bondage? <laughs> <laughs> we can finally have a normal town now. 
Not now with these two assholes snooping in everyone's business. Takes a couple shots of the Drews. Misses. The police run up there. Find that the snipers are unconscious. Necks Hol- broken. Yeah, they may be dead. We don't know. But they're unconscious and they're handcuffed to each other. Hobo Santa's a little kinky. <laughs> and then we see that they're nearby. There are tracks. There are sleigh tracks. And they're covered in blood. No. <laughs> and Nancy sees those sleigh tracks and she starts laughing maniacally. Mm-hmm. It's a disturbing scene. <laughs> this is when Nancy became the Joker. <laughs> that would be a great ending, but don't worry, there's still another scene because now we have to see Christmas Day, and uh, I don't know where where George is still there. George doesn't have a family. Ned is is shows up, bursts in. You know, mind if I join you Christmas? And they're all like, okay. So would he really not have thought to ask before that moment? Maybe he's an awkward, shy guy uh, under all the rock and roll swagger. (laughs) (laughs) He's just hoping to get some uh, Star Wars action figures for Christmas. Although, of course, as we know, uh, Star Wars action figures were not uh, yet released in December of 77. Of course, of course. I mean, those those two snipers shot as bad as stormtroopers, so... (laughs) Nancy sees an unfamiliar gift package under the tree, and she opens it. Mm. Tell us, Anya, what did she find? It was the Dresden doll she saw so long ago. With a note from Santa thanking her for believing in him. Get us out of this. Bring us home. Give us your unvarnished take. Call it a day. Ned sings, I wish I could have Nancy's doll. No. Um. Well, well. I before we uh, let let's sprinkle a little Christmas magic from Kevin's a Kevin Christmas, if you will. What would you what what would you think of this mess? Uh, this it, mistletoe mess. It was pretty bad, but it was not boring. It was it was at his charms. Yeah. How can you not enjoy a Christmas special where the plot is? Hitmen are trying to kill Santa because he witnessed a drug deal. <laughs> Pretty much plays out exactly what you think would happen. Yeah, that's inherently charming. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, well, my my take is it's not very good. <laughs> the end. No, it's not very good. But if you like the 1970s version of Nancy Drew and you don't mind a lot of yuletide silliness, just remember... <laughs> I wrote out a little song for this. <laughs> I'm so silly. You'll have a Drew Christmas, that's certain. But that Drew holiday may start hurting. But I'll be doing all right because this gives me delight. Even though it's a Drew, Drew Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. And, and to ha- all a good night. And happy holidays as well. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. 
And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up Hotmail accounts in the early 2000s, so all of those spell out two as T-O. Thanks Thanks so so much much for listening. listening.